investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and thank you for joining me for episode 7 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So as you've seen all the way through the podcast series so far, we're uh, attempting to give you some uh, some good insights into the buying process with an investment property. But what we also would like to look at um, is the, the key aspects and attributes of a high growth asset, so an A-grade investment property. And there are a number of things that we'll go through in, in future podcasts as well, things like selecting the right suburb, selecting the right street, how does surrounding development impact on the, uh, the selection of an asset, what is the underlying land value and how does that drive growth and things like scarcity value and the importance of perhaps an aspect or a view. Um, part of this podcast series will cover those different aspects and today we're going to look at uh, the importance of floor plan when it comes to a property. Now whether that's a, a house, a, a villa unit or an apartment, um, but we need to see what the expectation is from a buyer and, uh, and how the floor plan looks differently for each of those different types of property. Now, when it comes to floor plans, particularly with homes, uh, it's very much about personal preference and what you do or don't like and what you need the home to have uh, for your lifestyle purposes. So that might be, for instance, um, having open plan living versus having a bit more segmentation around a kitchen to a, uh, a lounge and a dining area. Some people prefer to have that separation. Others prefer to have a, a really open plan living style. Um, some people are more than happy with one or two bathrooms. Others feel the need to have a bathroom for every resident of the house. Um, and then it comes to living zones. Is one one enough and having that big one open plan living area or would you prefer to have two or three so perhaps children can have their own space to go to um, and, and parents can do the same. Um, and the other one that's quite common from a, uh, a home perspective is uh, how the bedrooms are situated within a home. So are they all located together or perhaps is the master bedroom separated away from um, children's bedrooms, that type of thing. And quite often with a floor plan, the style of the property and the era of the property is going to dictate the expectation um, of what the floor plan will look like and how it will be laid out. But when it comes to an investment property, as is always the case, it's far less about the likes and dislikes uh, of the purchaser and more, far more about the market expectation. So what do people expect and want from this style of property and not so much about what you do or don't want? Now, if your likes and dislikes are in line with market expectation, then that's great. But it is more about the market expectation than you when it comes to an investment. Um, and so it's really important to understand the type of property that you're buying and what makes it special and sought after and does the floor plan have an impact on that? So as I said, there's three different types of, uh, of property that we focus on from an investment grade point of view. And we'll look at each of those today and um, and the floor plans for each of those and how they can be both positively and negatively impacted um, if alterations have been made uh, and not in keeping with that style of property. So we'll start with apartments. And as you know, we always, when we're talking investment grade apartments, it's very much older style. So it's um, typically one of two types. It's either a mid-century apartment or it's an art deco apartment. Um, now, there's different aspects for each of those and that's what we'll go through now. So with an art deco apartment, typically you'll find that there'll be a, uh, a nice entrance hall when you open the front door. Um, and then rooms will lead off that hallway. 
the other really common feature with Art Deco apartments is that the, the master bedroom is quite often oversized and the second bedroom will be undersized. And there'll be quite a big difference in space with both of those, but that's typically how they were built. And that's that needs to be the expectation. Quite regularly also, which is some people find um, rules Art Deco apartments out from a lifestyle point of view, is that they don't have an outdoor area. There's no balcony with them. Some of them do. Some of them may even be fortunate enough to have a little courtyard that may have been added at a later date but quite regularly they don't have any outdoor space. Um, and it can be quite difficult with even with renovations unless there's some major structural changes to the building to create open plan living. But it's typically not the right thing to do with an Art Deco apartment anyway. They are very much about segmented living and having a separate kitchen and then having that formal lounge dining if the apartment's big enough. Um, but it's something to bear in mind if that's what you are trying to create within an apartment. Um, the other aspect that they do regularly have is very high decorative ceilings, which is uh, quite popular, but also creates the feel of more space. And then finally, uh, the bathrooms are quite often very small within a uh, an Art Deco apartment, and it's not unusual to have, say, a shower over a bath, but not much more space apart from perhaps a um, pedestal hand basin. They do quite often have separate toilets, though, which is um, which does give a little bit more flexibility around the bathroom. Now, moving to the mid-century apartments, again, they do quite regularly have an entrance hall. Um, some of the more entry level will have direct entry into a lounge room, but they're better to be avoided um, from an investment point of view. The ceiling heights are still quite good within an art, uh, sorry, within a mid-century, but they're not at the same level of an art deco, but the, and they also don't usually have any decorative features uh, within the, the, particularly the living dining areas. The other key difference is, is that um, bedrooms are generally more of a similar size as opposed to having one oversized large master bedroom and a smaller second bedroom. They're, they're usually a bit more balanced. Um, and the they quite regularly do have a balcony with them as well. The interesting fact um, that also goes with mid-century apartments from when they were developed is that they don't, the developer didn't always take orientation and aspect into consideration. Quite regularly, you'll see that um, balconies and kitchen living zones face south when if they'd been flipped around um, on a full 180, they'd actually have a better um, natural light um, aspect. But there are other considerations that were obviously being taken into account when the property was, was constructed and, um, and designed. Moving on to villa units and, and floor plans there, um, there's two distinct types of villa units. Um, one being the entry level, which is um, not dissimilar to the mid-century apartment in that they were constructed at the same time. But it's being entry level, there's not usually an entry hall. It's just direct um, open the front door into the lounge room. Uh, they quite often have, uh, not that this is floor plan, but tandem carports um, as the off-street parking down the driveway. Courtyards with, um, with the entry level villa units um, are very limited. They're quite often just a strip of land at the rear of the unit itself. Um, and most of the rooms within the property lead directly off that central living zone. So bedrooms opening onto the living area, kitchen and bathroom as well. So they're typically better to be avoided. Um, they don't necessarily have the space that you look that you should be looking for with a villa unit. So the expected standard, um, which is the the, uh, the higher quality uh, villa unit, typically built during the 60s and into the 70s. Um, you've got a nice open the front door entry hallway and rooms typically lead off that. So bedrooms off there, 
uh, living room, dining, kitchen, bathroom, those sorts of things. They've usually got an attached single garage or sometimes a carport, and they've got a very user-friendly courtyard at the rear. They can be accessed either sometimes off a laundry or off the kitchen itself, um, but generally a lot more user-friendly in the, um, the more, more appropriately sized unit. Um, the rooms are better as well, bigger lounge, bigger dining, bigger bedrooms. Um, and they have good separation around the unit as a result of the hallway and that provides access to the bedrooms and things from there. Um, the other really good thing about the villas, the, the, the larger ones, is that they do create opportunity to, um, to make a unit open plan um, if that's what you're desiring. So the kitchen and the, the dining living areas are, are usually in one section of the house. So opening up walls or perhaps making doors larger to, to have better connectivity between the, the kitchen living areas um, is certainly easier to do with that type of unit. Um, so it works quite well in that regard. Now, finally, moving on to the housing uh, sector of the market. Um, now, clearly, when you've got exclusive control over the property, it's yours, there's no owner's corporation, and you've got extra space around you, it's much easier to renovate, alter, or to add to that house than it would be to a unit or to an apartment. The unfortunate thing, though, is that creates greater opportunity for a house to be bastardized over the years as well. And, and that can come in a number of different forms, whether it's having rooms added in inappropriate locations, uh, it might be that ceilings have been lowered because um, it was seen to be more efficient to, uh, to heat rooms in colder months. Um, and alterations can get made that are, are not typically sympathetic to the style of that house. Um, now typically, as I said earlier, the, the two types of house that we are looking at here um, from an investment perspective are the terrace house or single fronted cottage or the single, the, sorry, the semi-detached duplex. So party wall, one of a pair, um, quite often with uh, a bit more land surrounding them. And it's really important when you're looking at these houses to understand fundamentally what the house was when it was originally constructed. So we'll look at both of those and then we'll look at some of the um, alterations that can be made that are not as favorable and, and what is preferable in this style of home. So with a single fronted cottage or house, when they were originally constructed, um, and they still more often than not are the case at the front of the house. It's hallway down one side, and then you have rooms leading off it. There's typically two or three rooms when the house was constructed leading off that hallway, um, more towards the front of the dwelling. Typically then you'll have the, the kitchen at the rear and a washroom behind that, and then an external externally accessed toilet. The bathrooms were usually accessed, or the washrooms were usually accessed externally as well. Now over the years, these types of properties have clearly been renovated and they've been done in various forms. Um, bathrooms have been brought inside the house. Sometimes if they, they've gone to the next level and really done a proper renovation, that bathroom will have been centralized and put up towards the front of the house near the, the two front rooms, which will have been which will be used as bedrooms. Um, living rooms will be have been opened up and made to be larger and potentially had open plan living created as well in conjunction with the kitchen. And then in some instances, um, which has become more apparent in the last sort of 10 to 15 years, first floor extensions have been added to maximize space, um, but to retain outdoor areas as well. Now with the duplex one of a pair, the original style there um, is obviously that, as I said, it was quite often on a much larger plot of land um, and they're a semi-detached house, so one party wall. The driveway, there's usually a driveway um, off the front streetscape down one side and usually a garage or shed at the rear as um, cars became far more popular and apparent in the 1930s and 40s. Um, 
Access to the dwelling is usually either at the front or sometimes down the driveway and you come in off that driveway in the front door. They've usually got two good sized bedrooms. There's usually a formal lounge dining which is connected between double doors, usually some fairly attractive lead light. There'll be a kitchen and then a bathroom towards the back. The bathroom with the 1930s houses was usually under the main roof, albeit that it was probably um, as part of a lean-to. And then they've got a, uh, a good sized backyard at the rear. Now, a lot of these houses as well, obviously, have been renovated over the years. Um, and with that, people, are, particularly with more modern renovations, they're far more conscious of orientation and creating natural light. So if it's a recent renovation, they've usually had an architect involved to maximize those types of attributes. However, some of the issues that do pop up over the years where renovations have been done, bedrooms quite often get added, particularly in the single-fronted cottages, to the rear of the dwelling which creates that separation and it doesn't necessarily group things together as well. And when you've got limited space to work with, you typically find that the bedrooms being grouped together is a better way to maximize space. Um, it's not uncommon for mezzanine levels to have been added and usually when that's been done, it's resulted in ceiling heights in living areas having um, been lowered. Mezzanine um, living space or bedrooms was quite popular in, a in new construction during the 1980s. And so properties that were renovated in that time, a mezzanine floor was, was quite a popular thing to, to install in a, uh, in, a, in a terrace house or in a, in a dwelling full stop. Um, when kitchen living areas are moved, um, if it's not done appropriately, then they can become a thoroughfare, particularly to bathrooms if they're still at the rear of a dwelling. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily make the property flow as well. Uh, the other thing that quite often get, happens, which is not um, not great, is that light wells um, in the center of the house can get removed. And that results in uh, middle bedrooms not having any form of window apart from perhaps an installed skylight. And again, if you can't open that and have that airflow, uh, that's usually fairly frowned upon by purchasers and tenants as well. Um, and then when extra bedrooms are added, this is a um, really common discussion that I have with clients around um, the balance of a floor plan. So when a, an extra bedroom is added to a property, perhaps a single fronted cottage that goes from two to three bedrooms, if the living space is not opened up and increased in size as well, the property can very quickly and easily become unbalanced. And so if you're adding more space for more occupants to reside in the home by adding an extra bedroom, you need to consider the extra living space that's going to be required. And people, if they're looking at a three bedroom house, are going to expect a big, better living zone. And that's not always a consider, consideration that's been made over the years. Um, so most often a, a good renovation uh, takes all of these things into account. Unfortunately, over the years, people when they've needed to do renovations for extra, extra accommodation, most often they've had to do it on a budget in that case. And that's when, um, we typically find that renovations haven't been done with the property's best interests in mind. So it's it's a short-term mindset. The problem is that it can really impact on the long-term uh, growth potential for that, that property. So extensions, renovations, alterations to properties need to be um, very considered before carried out to make sure that it's not going to negatively impact on uh, potential performance going forward of that property. So that's about it for today. Thank you very much for joining me for episode seven of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. As always, feel free to share the podcast with family and friends and your social media contacts. And if you would like any further information on how to make rewarding property decisions, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au. 
and we wish you all the best with your property decisions.